Welcome to the Treble Health Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ben Thompson, audiologist and founder of Treble Health. This podcast is supported by treblehealth.com, the nation's leading telehealth service for tinnitus and hearing loss treatment. Thank you for being here on our podcast and make sure to subscribe to get our newest episodes sent straight to you. Let's get ahead with today's episode. Hi, my name is Ben Thompson. On today's podcast episode, I'm joined by Jackie, who has an inspiring story to share, sometimes dealing with tinnitus and other conditions like sound sensitivity or hyperacusis can be very challenging. It can be a process that takes time. Jackie is a counselor. She helps individuals in her work overcome challenges related to other health conditions or even psychological situations. So with this in mind, I think Jackie's perspective will be really helpful for her to share her own personal story and how she improved hyperacusis and tinnitus. Jackie, how long have you had tinnitus and when did you first develop bothersome tinnitus or hyperacusis? Um, I've had tinnitus now for 28 years and we, well, I just lived with it really for, for years and it was always in the background. Um, but two years ago, I had major surgery and actually a month later, my tinnitus magnified along with hyperacusis a few weeks later. It was very, very difficult very difficult. And where are you today? And if you can just zoom out and summarize where it was in this beginning period of time, how intense was your hyperacusis? How intense was your tinnitus? And where are you today? Well, um, I would say now I'm about 80% better. However, at the beginning, I mean, oh, I was in a really, really dark place for months. And some days were really, really hard. I still had to work. Um, however, I had a few weeks recovering after surgery where I sort of tried to understand what was going on because sounds seemed to startle me. Um, it's hard to explain. And certain frequencies, um, I got sort of like um, a discomfort almost instantly. It sort of, what's the word? It happened at the moment of exposure, really. And it's as if the, the world's volume had just turned up. And I could physically feel it as well. It was awful. It was awful. And that period of time, you went through different you know, research of your own. I'm sure you probably went to different doctors. Did you Yeah. Did you face roadblocks? What kind of challenges did you face in the, the first period of time <laughs> well, here where it was the most difficult? Oh, when it was the most difficult. I mean, I, I just felt I isolated myself, really. I mean, I was, a, I was recovering from major surgery, but... I isolated myself uh, in my room. I was scared of sound and the anxiety built up and built up and built up. Um, and that made it worse. Uh, I made an appointment to see my audiologist, which is at the local hospital, the tinnitus clinic. But they didn't seem to know anything about hyperacusis. Very little, really. And then I went on different websites and forums and I got positive stuff, but I also got um, horrendous stuff from those experiences. Mm. So you went through this process and you developed some tools along the way. Uh, what was the first breakthrough? What was the first moment where you felt, okay, maybe this isn't forever. Maybe there is a path forward for me. When did you notice some progress or some changes? I think it was when I actually, when I think first thing was key was when um, to get my anxiety level down. 
because everything felt as if it was intense. It felt as if I was so anxious. It was affecting everything. And I think as soon as that came down, and then, um, of course, I got in touch with um, yourself, and we spoke about um, sound therapy and positive sound enrichment, really. Um, that helped. But it took months um, to tolerate sounds. Yeah, let's you know, talk. Um, let's, let's let's talk about that. I want to go back to um, your comment of how you had a lot of anxiety. Yeah. Anxiety is often based on feeling a lack of control, um, having yeah. questions, having questions that aren't answered that uh, can affect our health or our future. What were your major questions? What what did you feel stuck on, or what were things that were unanswered that maybe we can unpack right now and help others? I think it's because I was just so scared. I didn't know what was happening. No one had, the, the, there wasn't a cure for it. There was no one could give me some sound advice because everything was all over the place and there was a lot of doom and gloom about it. And, and it was so challenging. And, you know, it was exhausting trying to seek help um, for hyperacusis um, because there was such a lack of understanding about it. Mm. And you did work with our, you did work with our team at Treble Health. That's how we got connected. You eventually worked with us for quite a bit with different audiologists on our team to help in your process. We had initially spoken about the treatment of hyperacusis with tinnitus. And one of my initial pieces of guidance for you was we need to first treat and work on the hyperacusis. Simultaneously, the things we do there will help tinnitus. But in your case, hyperacusis was the main problem. Yeah. What helped you? What helped you just get over the hump or take the level, the intensity of hyperacusis down just a bit, give you some of those tools and help manage the anxiety around it? I think a, it was the ACS plugs. They were fantastic. And what so I got them, the ACS plugs, they were filters, uh, filtered plugs that I could, you know, I got them for 10 decibels, 17 decibels and 27 decibels. So it allowed me to sort of like navigate through this very strange soundscape without feeling fearful of sound. Yeah, that's really important because for those those who don't know, you can over time um, manage the filtering of sounds around you. As you're getting better, you can start with the most restrictive earplugs or the highest noise filter earplugs. And then over time, you can wean yourself down to lower and lower filtering, bringing in more and more sound. And at the same time, over these months, you're able to tolerate more sound uh, at a physiological level. Not at This isn't just saying emotionally, I'm ready to hear sound. This is a physiological change, similar to how when someone has an intense migraine, they're very sensitive to light. It's a neurological mm-hmm. sensitivity, but for hyperacusis, this can last months, even over a year. And those earplugs are a big part of how you can do everyday activities, like go to the grocery store, uh, drive a car, be in a restaurant. This is a short interruption from today's video to announce the tinnitus quiz. If you're watching this video, there's a good chance that you or someone you know has tinnitus. We know how much tinnitus can impact your daily life, and we're here to help. Visit tinnitusquiz.com and take a two-minute quiz to receive personalized treatment plans that have helped hundreds of people learn to manage their tinnitus. Start now at tinnitusquiz.com. What were the things that were taken away from you and how did you slowly bring those back into your daily life? I think one of the main things was going to a supermarket 
I found that really um, daunting. First, I'd go to the sit outside and I'd think, right, I've got to go in, I've got to go in. And anyway, I thought, right, I've challenged myself and I thought, right, put your earplugs in, go in. And I only bought one item. And then slowly over time, I built up and I went, I went in for a bit longer and then I went in a bit longer still. And then, you know, the things like the tills and the beeps and the lady's voice over the tent speaker, different things like that. But now it's two years actually today since I started with hyperacusis. Now I just go in and I don't even think about it. But obviously that was gradual. It was very, very gradual. And and obviously I became I've become gradually less dependent on the earplugs as well. But it's taken time and a lot of patience. I think patience is key. I'm really happy to hear that. So even with a good treatment plan, even with the right guidance and tools, this still takes time. And that's an important message. Yeah, uh, sometimes, pe- sometimes people might try hyperacusis treatment for a few weeks and say, I don't know if it's working. And they haven't been properly explained the timeline of this to maintain the consistency with it. Tell us about these two years. I mean, just in terms of your experience, obviously this is not the same for every single person who's listening, but in your experience, can you summarize those chapters of the two years and you know what happened in the first three months or six months? What were the turning points? I think the turning points were, I think it it took a long time. I mean, it took it took a lot of months to actually start tolerating sounds. But over time, I mean, now I'm, I'm driving distances. I mean, that was another another thing challenging because I'd have to drive the street. Then I started driving the block. Then I'd start driving a couple of miles. Then four miles and it was slowly building up and building up and building up that now I can drive say 20 odd miles and then I'll I'll put my plugs in uh only my tens just to take that frequency down I think it's certain frequencies still bug me but I know I'm getting better and I keep looking at it it's thinking this is only temporary I will get better mm-hmm. well that's great advice for anyone who's listening who has hyperacusis is follow a system, follow the protocol that is recommended by an audiologist like those at Treble Health, like those at our team that specialize in this. And we can guide you through these checkpoints. It's not easy and it's not fun many times, but it's really helpful and necessary. And you know, Jackie, where you're at today, this is this is a great place to be. And there's still some some room for improvement, of course. Um, what would be, be, I want to ask your opinion on this because I think as a counselor, as someone who helps people through psychological challenges every day, um, I want to ask you, what is your, what is your experience on how much of the hyperacusis was due to psychological reaction versus physiological reaction? Because, um, in my, you know, in my opinion, as we've spoken about before, it starts out as a physiological response reaction and then there's this psychology psychological reaction or response layered on top of it we want to you know improve the psychological reaction and response as much as we can to don't be overly scared don't overly protect our ears understanding that certain sounds won't actually damage our hearing or our ears just like someone who's sensitive to migraine yeah the, the light won't damage their eyeballs Similarly, that sound is not damaging your your eardrum or your auditory organ, the cochlea. But it, these two elements are so important, and often people don't understand the differences between psychological 
reaction to physiological reaction. Can you share your experience with that? I think the psychological um, factor is a major, major part on how to cope with, with it and get better. And I think it's, I think that's magnified as well by, you know, your anxiety and how you are at the at the beginning. And I think as, as that settles and, and it's taken months and months and months for that to settle with me, uh, my anxiety. Uh, and as soon as that starts improving, then I don't know, but your brain seems to recalibrate. And I don't think about putting the pots down now or putting the cutlery in the drawer or um, a door slamming or things that used to really, really upset me at the beginning uh, don't seem to to bother me now. It's slowly starting to to settle. Does that make sense? It does, yeah. And some people who hear that, they might say, well, are you just getting used to it or has the sensitivity improved? How would you respond to that? I would say my sensitivity has improved. I would say that, I mean, I couldn't even shut a door. I couldn't even, I could hear my light fitting, my light. And I'd be in the other room, I could hear the fridge. It was as if I'd got this super hearing and that doesn't happen anymore. It was it was horrible. But now I can shut doors, I, I go out. Sometimes I even go out and I forget to take my plugs with me. And I think, that's that's good. I look that as an I look at that as an improvement. But that combined with obviously uh, positive sound enrichment, and that's key as well. Finding um, building up slowly with the sounds. You know, having background sound on all the time. I have classical piano music on all the time in the background, very low. That's key. Going for walks in natural sounds. That's key. And counselling. So someone may hear you today and think, well, Jackie, you seem like you're in a pretty good place and you seem like a, you know, an intelligent, um, you know, well-researched woman. Perhaps you just did this on your own. Um, what kind of help did you get along the way? I got help from a, merid- a meridian of people, but also obviously help from yourselves. And it's basically about just put someone giving you the direction and mentoring you. Does that make sense? Because you feel so alone with hyperacusis. You feel as if no one understands. I mean, I was lucky. I'd, my family really did support me. But it was just so, it was so difficult. Um, I mean, there's a lot of things I still can't do. I mean, there's places I'd like to go. However, you know, like I used to like going to busy, bustly restaurants. But now I go to a restaurant that's perhaps go at a quieter time, you know. But I still go and I still do things. So... You know, that and the counseling's definitely helped me as well. I want to share a story with you. Uh, another patient who I know you're familiar with, uh, Loretta, she was on yeah. our uh, patient-led tinnitus summit. And mm. after about two years, a year and a half of um, going from very bothersome hyperacusis to a, a slow but steady improvement to, at the time I spoke with her, she said that she was about 95% better. She had essentially no hyperacusis, occasionally a little bit, but wasn't affecting her life. And during our conversation, she had mentioned that she actually had started to ride on the back of a motorcycle and she was wearing earplugs and she was, you know, safe in that regard. And I couldn't believe it because the same woman who I had met a year and a half earlier was, um, that's quite a lot, couldn't handle an air conditioner in her room but now was able to ride in the back of a motorcycle. And I think that shows us the power of the brain and how hyperacusis can 
be treated to the point where it's it's a massive change. I'm not saying that's the goal for every person and maybe that's out of reach for some, but I think it touches on the point that at the beginning, normal everyday things are almost impossible to do. But over time, we start to incorporate things. And if we zoom out, we may realize, wow, my hyperacusis is so much better that I didn't think twice about that car honking its horn next to me. Yeah. What, what have been some situations for you that may have represented this big change? I'd say that um, just doing a lot more things. I mean, I've moved house. I've set up my own private practice um, as well as working for other organisations, of course. That's something I would not, it wouldn't have even occurred to me um, a year ago that I could do it. I mean, when I first started with this, I think I remember telling you anyway, um, I had to put my phone in a sock because obviously it was just after COVID. I was still working. I had to work. And people's voices used to irritate me. So I'd have the phone, my phone on the lowest volume. And actually what I didn't realise at the time was that was actually helping me desensitise. Does that make sense? That the more I spoke to clients, my clients, uh, even though I was speaking them through a sock and through a scarf and everything seemed so noisy, I was slowly desensitising with that. So it helped me in a way. Even everyday, converse, even everyday conversations can trigger hyperacusis. And yeah, about, it was just constant. Yeah. And how about now being uh, in a place like a restaurant or a group dinner? Are you able to be in that place without earplugs? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and actually, it was funny because the first Christmas when this started, which was 2021, it started in the May. I was actually using paper plates and plastic cutlery when I had my family around because I couldn't stand the, the frequencies of the, the crockery and things banging. And um, last Christmas, it was great because I had plates, crockery, everything out. So that's another marked improvement. For anyone who's dealing with challenging hyperacusis, I think the main message we have here is hope. Jackie's story yeah. showcases that there is hope. There is hope for things you can do. Sound therapy, strategic use of earplugs, having support, having the right professional who's seen dozens of cases yeah. like yours who can give you the confidence that you obviously don't have because you haven't gone through it. I also see that that makes a big difference. So Jackie, I want to ask you, do you have any any pieces of motivation or encouragement uh, that we haven't touched on so far to someone who's in a place with challenging hyperacusis or tinnitus? I think the first thing is to seek out professional help. I also think as well to um, that it's slow, that you've got to have a lot of patience and that it's not linear. You do go backwards and forwards with it. I think also as well to find a really good counsellor. Um, I found one, Dr. Susanna May um, from Treble Health. And I was really, really lucky to find her because she also has experienced hyperacusis and tinnitus. And do you know what was really good about that was the fact is she got me. She understood me and nothing, uh, nothing was too much trouble for her. And I was so, so grateful to have uh, found her. And that the combination of um, good sound therapy, the Oasis sound machines, good earplugs, trying things to relax, going long walks, um, meditation, things like that. Good self-care. And I think that helps as well. 
and talking to positive people who have this that helps well you are still got a way i've still got a way to go but i'm in a lot better place yeah thank you absolutely absolutely and you are helping others who uh, need some of that your guidance and support so we do thank you and If you're watching this on YouTube and you found this video helpful, please comment below, helpful. And if you want to reach out to our team at Treble Health, you can search us online, treblehealth.com. We do work with hyperacusis as well as tinnitus. Jackie, thank you so much. Keep up your good work. Keep helping your patients in your counseling practice. And I want to check in later with you to see what kind of new sounds you're you're able to tolerate. That's always really fun for us. So I'd like to check in again later on another podcast here. Thank you so much, Jackie. Not a problem. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. This is your host, Dr. Ben Thompson. If you have two minutes, it would mean the world to us for you to leave a five-star review on the Apple podcast platform for the Treble Health podcast. Thank you for your time. And if you need any services for tinnitus or hearing aids, please head over to treblehealth.com and our team of expert audiologists will be able to help you via telehealth. Have a great one and see you soon.